0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Play by Play. It's the Jamie Yara Podcast, the podcast that you rely on for your daily dose of everything from business to wellness to parenting to sports. You get it all here. We don't just talk about it. We give you the play by play. We give you the nuggets, all the details, the how to, if you will. Today, we have a special guest coming on the show. We're going to be talking about everything from being gifted to uh, leaving a legacy with your kids and how to handle some of the challenges that come your way. Now let's get ready for today's play-by-play. I am Jammin' Jamie, and kickoff is counting down. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you may be listening today, we are live from the office. It is episode number 35. Now, I've heard it said that you only have a few true friends in your lifetime, and the rest of those are just acquaintances. Now, I've known this guy for almost half of my life. This year, it'll be 20 years. He grew up in a speck on the map in a place called Holly Pond, Alabama, just outside a slightly larger speck on the map called Coleman, Alabama. He's the son of a chicken farmer and a graduate of the mighty Auburn University. Our paths crossed before we even knew it. After spending a short time in the medical field, his entrepreneurial spirit took over. And with a computer, a vinyl cutter, and his kitchen table, he started a sign printing company that has grown into one of the most successful wholesale sign printers in America. His focus is on customer service, but he does that through the use of cutting-edge technology, some highly trained staff, some serious innovation, a lot of whiteboards, and some amazing software that he himself wrote. Beyond the signed company, he has started numerous other projects that have been highly successful. And his sights are set on some even bigger things in the future. Anyone that knows him knows that he would give the shirt off his back to help someone out. His library of self-development and entrepreneur books makes me jealous. He has a blog, a YouTube channel, and a podcast on the way. He is a man of faith and a family man who definitely married up. He has 3 fabulous children, one grandson, a granddaughter on the way, and I'll tell you I am blessed to call this guy my friend. Please help me welcome Mr. Tommy Trucks to the show. Tommy, how you doing? I caught him in the middle of drinking some coffee.
1: Good. Thank you. Awesome. Good to be here. Love the desk. Yep.
0: Yeah. No no stain, no it's it's as rustic as it's <laughs> going to get right there. Scrap wood out of the Two sons shop. That's right. So today we're going to talk about some fun stuff. Um, Tommy and I have had some conversations over the recent past, and really for probably the last 20 years, we have pondered this thought about what in the world are we supposed to be doing? What are we we here for? What are we gifted at? Why are we, um, you know, why are we talented at the things we're talented at, and how do we make those things turn into something else? And before we even uh, went on air this morning, we were talking about it, and I've been... Uh, talking a lot on the podcast lately about being gifted and being passionate about what you do and uh, we did a podcast the other day specifically about you know you're not going to truly be happy until you're doing what you're gifted at doing and I think um, that there is some there is some, some misconceptions about that word gifted and um I, I think that that's an area that maybe we can just flesh out a little bit, and we'll see where we go with this conversation. This is un- totally unscripted, unrehearsed, just like play-by-play always is. And so we'll see where we end up today. But what I was talking about was, um, I think that we, we think of the word gifted, though, and we talk about it in, or we want to reference it to how you're going to serve in the church. And I don't know that that's always the case. And maybe this is Maybe I can clarify my position a little bit more on it. Because I think that... Here's here's where I'm going with that. If you are created for a specific purpose, which I believe you are, and that it, that purpose is to do something unique in the world, I don't think that God is going to gift you to... I don't think he's going to create you to do something without gifting you the talents to do that. For sure, I don't think that's the case. And then I don't think that we're going to be truly happy unless we're doing... Exactly what we were created to do. I mean, I think it's like this is very. This would be very, you know, rudimentary. But if a quarterback was gifted to be a quarterback and you put him at center, he's not going to be happy. He's not going to be doing what he's loved doing. So I think it. I think that let's forget that gifted always has to do with, you know, doing something in the church. But that that gifted means what God has talented you with, and that could be something. Any. I mean, that could be anything. And I think Tommy. You know, we talked about before we hit the record button today about some of the things that you're gifted at. Why did you start the business? How long has it been, 20 years ago?
1: 95, so 96, right in there. It's been 23, 24 years. So
0: 24 years ago, what was it that drove you to do that in the first place? Was it some sense of purpose or you knew what your gift was or what prompted you to even start SignMaster?
1: I don't necessarily get the whole uh, gifted and operating in purpose kind of thing. Like it's just always that way. And maybe everybody's like that, you know, maybe it's always that you're operating in your purpose, just by what you're wanting to do, what you have a drive to do. What just, you know, I don't know why I've always, I always, always from a, a child have always looked at a situation and said, how can I do it easier? You know, I remember like being in the chicken house and, um, Dad's got this big plow, and we're supposed to push it by hand uh, to turn sawdust over to make a trough to put feed in. Well, man, that's just like, I I hate it. So how am I going to fix it? Well, I get Todd and hook him up with a rope and uh, hook him (laughs) to the plow. So now then, I've got like zero work to do. I'm just guiding the thing, using him like a rented mule. Yeah. and uh and he's all for the i mean he's good with it too because he ain't having to push the plow half the time you know we're working together and flipping this uh, flipping the sawdust over so it's just i don't know why i've always been like that I mean why nobody and i i don't find that there are
0: lots of people that are like that you know the older i get the, yeah i was talking to one of the guys that worked for you a couple, <laughs> about a month or so ago and he, he made the comment that Every day we came in, we were trying something new. We were trying to fix something. We were trying to improve on something. Right. And I found it, to I, it was funny because that is exactly, like it's, we don't, oftentimes we don't realize how people perceive us, but mm-hmm. when he said it, I was like, that's spot on. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly <laughs> right. what it is. Right. I think we overestimate what this word gifted means. Like, so what you're good at is what you're gifted at. And what you enjoy doing is oftentimes what you're good at. Right. And what you enjoy doing is innovation, problem
1: solving, Uh, problem solving. That's I love being able to to see something. That's why the programming thing comes through, because you're just you see a problem. and You try to solve it with software or process. Well, you're a visionary. There's no doubt. You know, I had somebody tell me yesterday, the first time I've ever heard that I was and I thought it was just, you know, I'm full of crap because I'm just constantly spouting out oh yeah right. we're gonna do this and we could do this and we could do that and then <clears throat> one of the sales guys said dude you're such a visionary and I was and I just kind of I was like, hmm maybe you're full of crap when you're young and then you're a visionary as you get older
0: I don't know because I think that there is um, there's an idea that visionaries are the people that just you know you come up with the ideas you have lots and lots of them and oftentimes visionaries will have, you know, 10, 20 ideas or five or 10 or 20 ideas a week. I was listening to a podcast not long ago. It was about a guy that, um, and I would give credit where it was due, but I can't remember what it was. He was a visionary and he had a guy, I think I told you about this. He had a guy that he would reach out to when he had an idea that he thought was the next brilliant idea. And he would, his friend would write it down on the whiteboard and then they would visit it a week from now. And if he, right. if if the guy still thought that the idea was good, yeah. then they would explore whether it was something that they should move forward with. Right. How do you do? You just bombard your people with your ideas. You're you're cursed like I am. You see something <clears throat> and you're like, I I need, you see that doorknob and you want to see how, how it can make that doorknob work better. Right. Like, so how do you right. how do you temper that? How do you put the brakes on? Or do you? I, yeah, I don't. Most of the time, it's
1: a constant barrage of just showering everyone around me with with that <laughs> which, is, which is not so you know it's not always good because then everybody don't always hey
0: i'm glad to see you eh, maybe not do you think that over time you've been able to self-temper some of that yourself <clears throat> yes i mean i think yeah i think i can just look back on uh, for those of you that don't know I've, I've known tommy and watched his business grow for all for all along and so i can look back on times when you know you would have a great idea and you'd head in a direction and then, you know, it might be two weeks later and the it'd be a different direction you're right. headed. And I think you still have tons of great ideas and you still put those, I see them on whiteboards when I come to the shop, <clears throat> but I think that you have learned to put the brakes on and let that simmer a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's very frustrating for everybody around you and being able to kind of see that it's, yeah, it's frustrating for those guys. So then you pull it back some and, and try to only give them the the good stuff. Or do like you're saying, sound it, you know, have a soundboard. What do you think about this? You know, have a couple of guys uh, there at the shop that I wear out because they can take it and then not just, you know, completely change directions overnight for everybody Uh, because people don't like that, man. I mean, and it's not very productive either if I think about it
0: the um, traction EOS system, they have a visionary. You know, you would fall into that role. And then they also put in place or, or they have somebody who would be called the implementer. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that person is the sounding board or the arch, you know, the, the architect, the one who right. says yay or nay, or that let's this is a good idea, this is not a good idea to the visionary to help temper that or help push it forward. Right. And I know you got, you know, some sounding boards like that. I know you and I talk at times like that as well quite a bit um, I think it's it's interesting to me when we talk about this gifted thing that all your kids seem to have somewhat of an entrepreneurial spirit as yeah. well yeah so I wonder if that's in your DNA or or if it's
1: learned because my mom like my mom's an entrepreneurial type person or she's all she's a starter always a starter and my dad is a is a sustainer and so she starts stuff and he follows through. So I mean that's kind of the, um, the model I grew up in, and maybe I gravitated more toward because I have more of her personality. So do maybe you, I gravitated toward that.
0: Did do you think you deliberately instilled entrepreneurial habits no. in your kids, or they just saw it, no. or like it yeah. wasn't something that you know? Because like with two sons woodworking, that was a deliberate effort of mine to mm-hmm. um, to create a entrepreneurial situation or a. A a, a, a certain, you know, um, setup where they could learn the business, and no, and and that was purposeful. But there's also, you know, times when I'm sure that they have just witnessed, you know, me working long hours or doing something, or even like this right here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of mine was talking the other day about wanting to him and his friends wanting to come on the podcast. That's cool. You know, and I said, well, what are we going to talk about? And they were like, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. So, but I, you know, I wonder if that's something that, because there's a lot of people that probably wonder, how do I get my kids to, you know, how do I get them to think like that? How do I get them to think like, you know, what's bigger than just what they got going on right now? Uh, What is bigger than just me? What's. I don't know. I never
1: put it on them like that or that I, that I know, you know, they may give you a different story, but. I don't. I don't feel like I've ever. Now I did take um, Taylor with me to work. For Angie was homeschooling her, and we've homeschooled all of them up to a certain point. But um, I would. I would take Taylor to work with me every day. You know, and she. It was pretty crazy. I had her a little Mac Mini in the corner, and she would go sit in my office, and and I had her like she was typing, uh, ten thumbs typing tutor on a Mac Mini back in whenever, 97, 98. And uh, she was, so she was typing probably before she was writing, you know, handwriting stuff. Um, And she is probably the most entrepreneurial of of the three that I can see. And I don't know if it was because she's right there with me all the time. The other, uh, Tori and Tanner, they never came and stayed with me. You know, and I would tell, Taylor had to be quiet and sit in that corner or in, you know, by her with her little right. Mac thing and, and work for several hours during the course of a day, which is pretty tough for a six-year-old, you know?
0: Hearing that though, sounds like that's good training. Yeah. Well, it, I it's mean, just
1: situational though. It was never, which, and probably looking back, I would like it. I could, that would be a cool thing to do is to have something specific to pull all of them, you know, the whole family, like, together. In. Right. But that's kind of how, where we are with Signmaster right now. It's kind of like, over time, it's sucked everybody in to, hey, you can do this, and you can do this, and you can do this. And so it's kind of worked
0: out that way, but not
1: intentional. I know?
0: love the the idea of the family business and everybody having Absolutely. a part in it. Mm-hmm. I've got a, another friend that, that um, started a business and all of his, his wife and kids all work in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so cool that, You have the, you know, that everybody in the whole family contributes to the same thing, and I can see how their family unit is very tight. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that has something to do with it—that they're all headed towards a common goal, like they're all working towards the same thing together. They all have the same, you know, mindset, or they have the same um, goals. They're they're in the, you know, they're they're in the battle together. I, I love to see families all working together like that. How how do you think that that from a home perspective, or I think um, it's great. I think it's like growing
1: up on a farm, which is which is strong as dope, man. If you can grow, I, I think that is probably one of the best things that could have ever happened to me personally is to grow up on that farm, and because that's all we did was there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff to do in Holly Pond, Alabama. You you just worked together uh, and loved one another, and just you were just together all the time. And a lot of times it was it wasn't. It wasn't pleasant, like all the time either. You were working through adversity, um, it, it, the rain, the you know a cow down, chickens, you know house fell in, whatever happened. You were all up in it, but you were all up in it totally together, totally sold out together. And I think this, I think that's super powerful, and that is a lot alike the business is now for my family, sort of like a sort of like the farm was for me. It's different. Because with the business side, it's not so much hand, everybody hands on pulling together at the same time. So it, that, that's a little bit different. Because with, with the business, it's uh, at the size that it is right now. There are things that ever that don't everybody doesn't know everything. So and we're not right there holding the same rope right. together. So it, you kind of segment it a little bit. But it's
0: still, I think it's I think that's really awesome. You showed me the other day in the new building where Tanner was pulling wires and all that I mean does does everybody come and work in the shop some Mm -hmm. absolutely I mean we
1: and they're learning stuff man that that's so cool that's something else that's really good like I learned how to drive early yeah you know and I was plowing or uh, working a tractor Todd even more even more so like he he can do he could do everything by the time he was 10 Mm -hmm. you know he could drive any any equipment and to this day you know there's nothing he can't drive or fly or or whatever it is, he can do it all. They all are learning all kind of different stuff, like pulling cables and how to wire. You know, Tanner's thirteen and he can man, he can punch down jacks. You know, Cat Five, Cat Six jacks and wire server room uh, like a like a grown man. Right. You know, and Taylor, the same stuff with learning software and and. Tory was in there pulling wires, so we we all did that. Matter of fact, just my core, m- me and. Angela and Tori and Tanner wired that new building. That was fun. You know, that was cool. And we did it in one day. You know, we pulled, I don't know, 100 drops in a day.
0: Don't you think that creates a situation where they are able to problem solve and figure things Absolutely. out? And I mean, because I, I see like... Absolutely. I can tell, you know, thinking about the way like Noah and Dalton are in the shop, mm-hmm. I can see them working through it. Mm-hmm. And they don't learn that stuff elsewhere. No. You know, and so as a message to parents that are listening, like your kids are not learning to solve problems and to overcome challenges and all that kind of stuff in an academic setting. They're not learning it. So if you're not deliberate in taking the steps to go out there and teach them the things, and it doesn't even have to be, like it, it's not, it doesn't even have to be a transferable skill. A lot of it's about problem solving. It's about learning how to, to figure something out that you don't necessarily know how to do. I mean, I see them a lot of times in the shop. It'll be, you know, an order that someone has placed and we've never made that project before. Yeah. And it's about we may cut wood and it's wrong. We cut it again and it's wrong. And we we cut it and it may take an hour to figure out how to do this one thing, but when it's right. all said and done, you look at it and you're like, Yes, okay. I just I, I figured that out. <clears throat> and you know, now the boys can build a farm table from start to finish with out even me being there. Noah built one. Nice. A farm table and a set of benches a month or so ago, and I did not see it. I never laid eyes on the project until we were putting stain on it. I love that. You've heard me say this before in the podcast. I think there is a tremendous um, lack of kids that that can, I'm going to say work with their hands, but I really, I mean more than that. I mean that can figure things out and work and be, you can go to college, and you can get a degree, and there's certain jobs that you need a degree for, but by and large, most of the things that you're going to do in life, do not re- you're not going to benefit from the education that you have. And I'm speaking from experience because I've got a bachelor's and an MBA, and I can tell you that the vast majority of the things that I know, the things that I even, I mean, the stuff I share on this podcast came from experience, not from Absolutely. an academic environment. And I think that's so big. You know, I call the theory behind Tucson's woodworking is leaving a legacy,
1: Mm.
0: I always said that I wanted them – I wanted to equip them to be able to, if they had to, if if that was something – even if they didn't want to do that as a profession, but if they had to, they could support their family mm. with a hammer mm-hmm. and a saw if they needed to. And that was the whole goal of that, and they can do that now. And, you know, one, one year we did a lawn care business, mm-hmm. so one of them could – I mean, they mm-hmm. could do that if they had to. Um, Noah's learning to weld now. I mean – I, I just think that we, as parents, I think we need to be more deliberate about teaching our kids to be able to uh, take care of themselves, and I, I mean that by mm-hmm. hands-on problem-solving, being able to figure things out, entrepreneurial, that kind of stuff.
1: I mean, I, I do, I, I think it's vital, and that just comes with having to suck it up and just be a parent. Yeah, it's a whole lot of that. It's a whole lot of that. Um, you just drag them along with you. This is what we're doing. If we're digging a hole or putting up a privacy fence or whatever we're doing, you're just going along with me, and you're helping problem solve, and you're understanding, and you're seeing. You know, I hung around. I I thank my dad on a regular basis. Um, that I was. He made me go along with him while he was fixing things and all that. I learned how to wire. You know, I can do run electricity and. All kind of stuff. Unbelievable amount of things. I don't even know, but they'll come up. I'll be needing to do something, and I'll be like, how did I know how to do that? My dad, you know, I watched him do it. I watched him run water lines. I watched him do this and that and do all this over the farm, at the farm. And then he just knew how to do it. I just knew how to do it, you know. And then Tanner's the same. He's the same way, Taylor. The, like, they, they, I just drag him along with me, and then they figure it
0: out. And I think that, you know, drag them along. I think that that's the key, too, because a lot of times that's not what they want to do. It's hard, but that's one of those places, I think, where we have to just take responsibility as parents and just say, yes, it's this is not convenient for me. This is not something that, you know, it might take me longer to do it, but I'm I've got a responsibility. I have an ethical obligation to teach them Mm -hmm. to be able to do these things in the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you don't have them. Snowflake out on
1: you—that's my favorite term—and I know they get tired of hearing it. But anytime time they start whining about, I don't want to do that. Well, I'm just man—I hit them with that snowflake. That <laughs> whole—you gonna snowflake out on me? Hmm? Is that this is the way this is gonna work? I love it. And then I just pull them along, so they're—you know—they just—they don't have the option of doing that of falling apart. Because I, man, you know as well as I do, you get out in the real world, uh-huh. um and you can't just fall apart when adversity hits. No, when somebody it's coming. makes you do something that you don't want to do. Yeah. You can't fall apart, man. You know, it's coming. That's I right. Mean, I tell them all the time you can you can stand on your head for 24 hours, man. You can you can do you can do this. Don't fall apart on me.
0: We had a conversation off air about um how uh you can how how we're all going to experience Perceived bad things that happen to us, um, and you know this is this can kind of tie into what we were talking about with the kids. Kids are gonna uh, they're gonna face adversity, and what have we taught them? You know, as they were growing up to be able to overcome that adversity. And there's a meme I posted on my Instagram uh, last, I guess, in December, and it reads: "In order to grow from a bad experience, you have to disconnect from how you feel and focus on what you've learned." And Tommy brought up a a little um, saying or a, a thought that. Um, He heard from a guy the other day, and I thought it'd be interesting to explore that. So you want to tell us what you were talking
1: about? No, it it was just um, he just mentioned in conversation uh, pseudo hurt. He was talking about doing some um, we're going to hire this guy to do some um, personality profiles, to get people in the right seats at the shop. And and that was one of the things he brought up about pseudo hurt. And um, I just thought that was pretty interesting. I never heard it before.
0: But then it, it fell right in line with what you had your Instagram post. I think that there's that that's so valuable though, so truthful. I've talked about this before that the past is just that. And the only thing that we can get from the past is that we can learn from it. But we're gonna all experience bad situations. We're all gonna have bad things that are gonna happen to us. We could probably sit here and list like yeah. pages and pages and pages full. And I think that the the value of that bad experience is what did we learn from it? Because Um, I recently went through a a challenging situation and I could have been very hurtful about it. But I think that the bigger thing is what did I learn from it? And when I changed my focus Mm -hmm. and I mean, I really like literally I can I can tell you that there was a complete 180 when I changed my focus on that situation and went from the hurt that it caused initially to the to what I learned and how I could benefit from it as a whole. Yeah, And it completely, it changed my perception of the situation. It changed my perception of all the people that were involved. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of truth to what you're talking about in this pseudo hurt. It's how we perceive it. It's our right. mindset. Well, I, I think it's two two flip sides. Like you actually experience damage
1: in that particular thing. And then there's a whole nother side of that to where I think maybe going back to that snowflake thing with the kids. there. There's no damage actually f- being done. It's all perceived. Like, I think this is bad. Therefore, I'm experiencing the physical of I've suffered damage. Well, right. you've not really suffered any damage. Like, it, this is just something that's in your head. So flip-flop your, your attitude about
0: it and and come on, let's get past this. I'm going to even flip it even further on you, though. Where? A
1: third, the third no, side.
0: I'm, no, because... <laughs> The plan is way bigger than we even know. So still, I think it's our perception. Now, because Mm. there are certain circumstances where there was absolutely no wrong that was done. There was no, like, there's no reason for someone to even be upset, right? It's just a complete perceived pseudo hurt. It's just, it's completely like, anybody else that looks at it from the outside would say, why are you even upset about that? Like, just move past it, get over it, right? Right. Uh, My dad used to say, this is a little like it, but it just came to mind. My dad used to say, if if we were hurt, my knee hurts when I bend it. He would say, well, don't bend it. You mm-hmm. know? Well, it hurts when I breathe. Well, don't breathe. You know? <laughs> but So there's these pseudo hurts, right, that you're talking about that people would be like. And then there's these, then there's other circumstances where people would say, you know, that you probably have a right to be upset or you have a right to. But even yeah. still. Yeah. Right? Even in those circumstances, do we really even though? Because the faster that we change our mindset, the faster that we change the perception of right. how that, again, going back to my Instagram post, if we focus on what we've learned in that situation, instead of the hurt, yeah, how much better are we going to come? I've used this analogy before. I actually got it from my wife. The windshield is so much bigger than the rear view mirror. Yeah. So- while we should glance in the rearview mirror and look at the past because there are things we can learn from the past, the future is so much bigger and that's really where our focus should be because we're all going to go through trials and, and, and circumstances and challenges and our kids are too and are we prepping them, are we even prepared, <laughs> number one, and then are we prepping our kids for the challenges that they're going to face and how they're going to overcome those? Right. I saw something the other day it was talking about I think it may have been on it was an email that I got from Mark Gregston and he's with Heartlight Ministries uh, and they've got a program called Parenting Today's Teens and the the idea that he was he was trying to put forth in this email was that we need to let our kids fail at some things we don't need to rescue them yeah, right. from everything I had a guy one time I he I asked him how do you, when I, my kids were just starting to get to be teenagers and they were just starting to make like real mistakes. And I asked him, how do you, de- like, how do you manage that? He, his kids were already grown. How do you let them, how do you get them to learn? How do you manage that piece? Like, how do you get them to understand the challenges that are, that they're going to face and how to work through those without letting them just completely fail, right? And he said, Rescue them from the big things and let them fail on the small things. Obviously, there's a fine line there. You know, that's a judgmental thing, but it was so impactful to me because then when my kids have faced things that were not, ma- not massive, the, the magnitude of the problem wasn't big. So it was a, it was a pseudo hurt to them. Mm-hmm. But I saw it as something that this is a good learning experience for them. I would let them fail at that thing. There's been times when it caused even our family name perhaps to be a little tarnished, um, and again our, per- our perception on our part too, though maybe it wasn't, you know, but you think it might have been. But there, you know, there's there's times when you let them fail, and then there's other times when you swoop in and you you save them because you know just like we talked about the other day, right. they don't understand consequences yet. Well, let's take a short break right here, and when we come back, let's talk about how you drive such a strong, positive customer service culture in your organization. Just a small town
1: girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Going anywhere Just a city bird Born and raised in South Detroit Took the train
0: and as we come back, I want to ask you, Tommy, what is the, what is it that drives such a strong culture of customer service at SignMaster? Because I think that's something that a lot of people could benefit from, uh, maybe in their own roles or in their own companies.
1: It's, it's my personality. It's what's, it's what drives all that. And not being the leader or any of that kind of thing, but it personally offends offends me and hurt, maybe pseudo damage, but it personally hurts me whenever, when we don't do what we said we were going to do. Probably to a fault because I get extremely angry whenever we have not met our obligation. Something we said we were going to do, man, right. If you if we don't do it. I am pissed off. And that's, and maybe everybody around me, they honor that somehow or another. I don't know. But I, I do know that, looked at that over the past, I don't know, sometime, three, three or four months, six months, a year, where I've thought, you know what, I wonder, oh, it's why, why we're trying to, I'm trying to do our core values, you know, discipline myself to, right. what are our core values and why do we do this and why do right. we do that? I'm really thinking that, The whole thing with customer service is that it just uh, hurts my, hurts me. Does some kind, and maybe that's your childhood. I don't know, man. I don't know the the real reason
0: behind it, but I know that that it is such a big deal. Why don't you think though that? I think that wraps all the way back around to what I'm talking about. That's your passion, problem solving, delivering, keeping your word, integrity, like this is who we are because you look this, the shop sign master is a reflection of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the same as if it was trucks. Ultimately. I mean, it's you, you, you'd look at it like it's your last name. Like you, there's that much, it's yeah. that personal to you right. that, that it's like, this is who I am. And that's what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. That's what you're gifted at. You're gifted at doing those things about being passionate about delivering a high level. You talk about, Problem solving. The reason that you problem solve is because you are passionate about serving people's needs. Mm-hmm. So you problem solve, and you're problem solving. You're very analytical. You're very technical. The reason that you're doing it is mm-hmm. to solve a problem. The reason you're doing it, somebody has a problem that you think you can solve, and you want to deliver that to them. Yeah, I don't think that I can solve it. I'm.
1: It's a. I must. Yeah, solve this. Like this is life or death. We must solve this. This can never, ever happen again. Yeah. Ever, like that kind of intensity, and it wears it, it wears thin on on my folks sometimes. But we have a lot of things in place that where where we are going six sigma, like we're trying to go operational excellence, perfection kind of right. thing. That's the goal. Well, this is good enough. No, it's not good enough. Never. And, and it's never good enough. And that that's and, tough to deal with. Like, that's tough to be around all the time. I, I have to... And I think it's going to be good me being outside, like, not in the same building with production. Because then I can come in and I can be a, okay, like a fresh breath, instead of just constantly grinding on everyone. The yeah. internet
0: commoditizes everything. Yeah, well, you've told me that... You know, I've said, well, what separates Signmaster from other sign companies? Is it the quality? Well, no, everybody can do high quality. Is it the speed? Everybody can print fast. And you've said it's how we respond to problems. Yeah. It's how we fix something when yeah. something's wrong. That's what separates us. Yeah. People. And that's what you're driving though. Probably the most imfor- important thing that you can focus on. Now you you have a gift of running a high-tech operation. You get all that and you that's part of the given. Mm-hmm. The the ungiven, the part that you have to work for and this is a big motto of the show is the successful people do the things that the unsuccessful people are not willing to do and you guys go you make your folks go the extra mile to do the things that other yeah. companies are not going to do yeah even when it's not my fault it's my fault and that's it. the jocko you yeah know, extreme
1: ownership extreme ownership personal accountability yeah huge
0: Well, folks, that's going to wrap up our time with Tommy today. I hope you enjoyed this candid conversation from the Clothus. We talked about gifts and being a snowflake. We talked about family business and overcoming adversity and equipping our kids and so much more. And I absolutely want to thank Tommy for coming on today. Hope uh, we can get him back soon. Today's conversation sparked some more questions that I have for him. So hopefully we can do another episode with him uh, in the near future. You got questions or comments for me? I'd love to hear from you. My contact information is in the main description of our podcast. Thank you very much for listening to Play by Play, and I hope that something that we said today helps you to become a better version of yourself. My name is and Jamie, and I hope you have an amazing day.